Dr. Sophie Messager, and this is the Wisdom Messenger podcast. In this show, I interview pioneers in women's health and personal development about groundbreaking concepts that help women reclaim lost knowledge and restore inner wisdom. By bridging insights from ancient traditions and modern research, we question stale cultural narratives and midwife a new paradigm around birth, life transitions, and women's autonomy. Join me as we delve into stories and studies that empower women to reconnect with their inner voice and live their truth. Tune in as we rediscover what it means to fully trust ourselves and shape our collective future. In this episode, I interview Laura Leon Gomez. Laura is a priestess, witch, mother and doula. Laura is also a workshop facilitator and trainer, a writer, artist, massage and song therapist from Colombia, living and working in magical Pembrokeshire. We discuss trance as our birthright, exploring altered states of consciousness during birth and other rites of passage. So welcome to this episode of The Wisdom Messenger. In this episode, I am delighted to uh, interview Laura Leon Gomez, and we are going to be talking about trance as a birthright for women through life transition. So Laura is a priestess, a mother, a doula, a massage and voice therapist from Colombia. And, you know, she has a lot of experience in translates and what we wanted to discuss in this episode is that there is more to trance than the idea of trance or psychedelic or through drumming. So, you know, to get us started, I just thought, you know, can we talk about trance as our birthright? And maybe going back a bit, I thought maybe we need to define what trance is. So I'd love to hear what your definition of trance is, Laura. Well, trance is obviously an altered state of consciousness, and I'm not going to go like into official um, descriptions of it because there's plenty of that <laughs> online. But um, for me, uh, trance or altered states is the way, is a bridge into the other, that portion of our reality that you, we're not usually in contact with. So it's a bridge between our individual self and the universe or the spirit mm -hmm. is a bridge between our conscious and subconscious mind or the material world and the spirit world or any way you want to call it it's like in our conscious mind we are like say a finger like alone in the world without yeah. knowing why it bends or moves or does this or does that and when we're in altered states that finger is aware that is part of a hand that is part of a body that is part of a bigger consciousness and then its movement makes sense it's is being makes sense so being in an altered state of consciousness basically is becoming your whole self yeah or that's how i how i interpret it what I found really interesting when I've been, you know, listening to and reading around trance because of my work using drumming for trance is that in our culture, I think we have a distrust and fear of trance. And there are also trances that are acceptable, like being on your phone. 
So, you know, just want to give examples like people when I think most people, when they think trans, they think about loss of control. Yeah. And they also think about psychedelics and they also think about something that's like a really big process rather rather than something that happens to you all the time in your daily life. Yeah. So a, a simple trans state for me is like um, when you're driving your car and you have not realized how you've arrived to because you've gone into this car autopilot and you're thinking about something else and you're like, oh, how did I get home? That's a trance. Yeah. Totally, because yeah. there's levels of, of trance. There's yeah. levels of altered states. So obviously when you're like daydreaming or, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's um, I think we forget because of cultural matters that trance is part of life. Like it can yeah. happen and voluntary. Like you just said, like when you get too distracted or when you're lost in your phone, that is a trance state. When you're yeah. daydreaming, when you're sort of asleep, but not really just before it, just when you go to bed so all of those are levels of trans state yeah. and i think that's important to mention because then it takes away a bit the the fear and the yeah, yeah. Mm. you know the, that that feeling that is something so unknown and so like um foreign <laughs> to yeah, our yeah. normal experience of life when it really isn't it's just it's part of of who we are and we do it at two different levels all the time yeah I think there's a lot to be said as I listen to you to, to how disconnected we are to trans in our culture, you know, that um, we're so unused to experiencing deep trances, like the kind of that I'm expecting we're going to talk about, like birth trance, yeah. like community yeah. trance, you know. <laughs> and um, I, I remember that when I started going dancing, you know, the, the kind of conscious dance that I do go five rhythm and, and the first few months I experienced and danced, I was really shocked to realize that there was moments in the dance where I felt like I was high. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah, that you can get, which, you know, t t tags leads us very well to talking about birth as a trans state because you can get high on your own hormones alone. You know, you can get that state of ecstasy, that state of bliss, okay. that state of auto consciousness in a very positive way that yeah. is transformative. So, you know, trans for birth, what, what, what's, that, what's that about for you? Trans happening during birth? Trans, <laughs> so yes. If we if we kind of elaborate on that idea that trans is natural to to our life and that we kind of dip into it to different levels depending on the experiences we're having, um, and knowing that trans states can be produced by hormones, for example, if you if you look it up, orgasm comes up as a as a sort of trance. Yeah. Right. So, in fact, the French call it la petite mort, the little exactly. death. Exactly. You know, the little death. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because that's what it is. And if you and if you kind of work over that, because birth is um is, is as well a hormonal, sexual, very embodied experience, then it's like amplifying that sort of uh sort of trance that you would experience as, say during sex, to like the deepest possible state ever. Um, and I think we're not, it's very sad that we don't have the chance to experience that, um, like to a greater scale culturally. Mm -hmm. I, the other, the other day I was talking to my partner and, and he said, like, I don't know, we were watching like a birth scene on the telly and he was like, oh, I bet you wouldn't 
do that again. And I was like, no, I would totally do that again. If it wasn't for the fact that I don't want to have any more children, <laughs> like if I could <laughs> just give birth again, I would totally give birth again. Like that was amazing an amazing it makes me almost like tear up a bit because it's yeah, just yeah. something that you is there's no other ways to experience what you experience there and as you said it's completely like not uh, it's not chemically induced it's not trauma induced it's just your hormones doing what they're supposed to do yeah which is it just blows my mind because yeah. that's how we should experience birth all the time so it's in a, just like terrifying that we don't I know the other day I found myself talking to a, a young woman at a gathering who has not had children yet and she said I'm very scared of giving birth and I used to feel exactly the same and in fact what led me to become a doula was that I had such a powerful experience and I felt oh my god I've been lied to like everything I've been led to believe like i've been conditioned to believe about mm. birth and the experience i had was so polar opposites i thought because you know we present birth as being you know only painful only horrible only and you know the, the this young woman is somebody who's just tried to she she's ran she runs ultra marathon so she this summer she attempted to run a hundred mile marathon right Okay. So I said to her, when you ran that thing, there was pain, right? And she said, yes. And yet you're going to do it again. I said, it's the same thing. And, you know, I also told her exactly yeah. what you said. I said, I'd do it again. I don't want any more children either. But I felt so transformed and empowered and like rewired from the whole experience. Totally. It's such a sense. Even today, when you'd go to any meditation and they say, hook up to a like really positive experience in your life yeah. or something, that's what I do. I remember yes. the first birth because the second one, since I'd already done it, it was powerful, but not as much. Not as, as much. Um, but it, it was still really powerful. But I think the rewiring had already occurred. So I came to, you know, believe that I would really like to hear what you think about that. That um, our culture is so scared of trance, but also the kind of trance that happened during birth, if it's if it's supported to happen in the context that um you know how it can happen if it's supported to happen as as is meant to happen as nature intended um it has a it's going to really change you and so society doesn't want that so society, because you can't control a woman who's had the experience that Absolutely. we've had you know, when I, after I gave birth to my son, I went to a birth conference in 2006 and there was like Michel Audon and Aina Megaskin and Frédéric Leboy and lots of everyone. names. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> and I, this woman said to me, I had my son in a sling, he was four months old. And she said, the, our culture doesn't want people to have births like yours because look at you. Look at what's happened to you. Because that's why I left science mm. because of mm -hmm. that experience. I was like, I'm okay. going to, I want to help other women to have the same experience I had. And so I, I have developed a theory that our culture doesn't just interfere with birth for the sake of interfering, like for the sake of safety, you know, masquerading as safety, but because it's deeply fearful of the power that's going to happen. Do you yes. see? It's actively interrupting the trance. That's it's not conscious. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe any doctor. I've never met a doctor or midwife who goes, I'm going to interrupt the trance <laughs> <laughs> because I don't even know. It's yeah. That's yeah. the other thing that really blew my mind when I started researching 
what I'm, you know, all the concept of trance because of the book I'm writing on drumming for birth and drumming yeah. for menstrual life transition. I went, oh my God, there is like nobody in the, no, I've not met anyone inside the system, maybe a handful, but you know, the average professional inside maternity care in the Western world, they don't even know that birth is a trance. Because one of the things I did do is try to find the research. There's none being any. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> it's not there. You know, the, the, I met one midwife, you know, in Australia, Jane Hardwick Collins, who talked to me about some research that was done in Russia, where they put EEG electrodes on the on the scalp of women in labor and right. showed the change in, you know, states of consciousness. But I couldn't find the studies. I don't think it's one of those things that probably was done and not published about. And I was like, that's not been studied. So of course it's not in the consciousness of anyone in the in the field. No, um, no. I think you would have to, I mean, even working uh, as a birth practitioner, I wonder how many, how many times do you really have access to a, to an experience that is, I mean, like that. Yeah. I have to, I have to say that I was so lucky because I, unlike you, I became a doula first, yeah. did all that and then had a baby. But, yeah. but I was very lucky that the first birth I ever attended was, I would say, an, uh, a true experience of yeah. what is trans during birth. And that for me was like, it just blew my mind. Like I was already convinced that this is the way we should give birth. And I was already a doula and all that, but I had never seen it. Yeah. And being there was like, oh, how have we got this so backwards? <laughs> like what have we done? <laughs> because it was beautiful and amazing and like i still have it like imprinted in my brain yeah yeah yeah. i believe that because as you speak i've seen myself through not my first birth as a doula my first birth as a doula ended up in a cesarean but my second birth as a doula was a birth center birth that was like extremely beautiful and straightforward and yeah and still yeah. as you speak i'm like seeing that thinking yeah i feel like <laughs> that too you know <laughs> and you know the thing about this birth is that how it happened was so like opposite to what people would expect from a birthing situation or how they would feel mm -hmm. like safe look so just to give you a few ideas like i we hadn't met the couple because it wasn't like our couple they were yeah. working with another midwife that couldn't make it that day right yeah. i think it was ramiro actually who was in charge of that birth but he obviously had another one and then we went in. Do you so, want to briefly say who Ramiro is for people? Uh, yeah, so so Ramiro is um, an indigenous midwife from Colombia. He's a medicine person. Um, and when I started uh, studying, uh, we were very close and, and, and I learned a great deal um, of stuff from him and a very small group of, of midwives that were trying to like bring a bit of like tradition into like the mainstream uh, yeah. midwifery it was only honestly a handful of us doing this back in the day and now and i'm glad to know it's grown did, but, did um, they did 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 where the where they talk about trans in the context of that learning no i don't no. think we did a lot i mean not like that not as such 
yeah, yeah. We touched on like we obviously you kind of go through like or or orgasmic birth a bit yeah, yeah. and you but not as such because I think this is not really like thought of as you said. But anyway, this birth uh so we went in with my other with my with the midwife that was a, a friend of mine, Carolina. She was attending and I was just um just there to learn because it was the first time. But we hadn't met them before. And they had just moved houses. It was a very young couple. They had moved houses recently, so everything was in boxes. Yeah. They have moved into like the deepest of the countryside. Like yeah. there was nothing there to so I asked I asked Carolina when we went there, they're like, what happens if something goes wrong? Because we're like in the depth of the mountain, you know. And we and she said, Well, nothing can go wrong then. <laughs> and we went in and honestly nothing went wrong they only had a mattress on the floor and yeah. she was already there you know I just yeah, came yeah. in and I just started like singing with her and like swaying and I hadn't even met this woman with this woman before and from there it just went on really smoothly and it was so beautiful and so mm -hmm. perfect and because it was so precarious in a way, that's yeah, what yeah, like yeah. blew my mind off even more. It's like, oh, like you can't do this, even when you think you're in circumstances that you could not do it, you know? Yeah, yeah, Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So so from there, from there I I kind of really mm. got into it because I was I was really just amazed of what uh, what the body and the mind can do. Yeah. And how you can enter that sort of like bubble, that that altered space. It's like when you're a doula, you enter yeah, that yeah, yeah. plane. Yeah, I know. Yeah. In, as I listened to you, I realized I think it's not totally true what I said. It's not talked about in the scientific world, but I think everybody who's been at a birth has noticed that step over yeah. the threshold because you can't not see, like, it's like, even the even if the system is based on you must have contraction every blah blah minutes and for every blah blah long and dilation this and measuring of like patriarchal measures that, um, I mean I the number of times I've been at early uh, at births for the first time couple and I said to the partner when he said you know should we go to the hospital and the woman is still like chatty like still in you know normal like awake state yeah, yeah. and I'm like you'll know when it's time because she'll start to stop talking to you and she looked like she's gone into another planet and often their partner would say that thing you've talked about it's happened so i think people see it it's just that because it's not discussed it's not labeled it's yeah. not talked it's not about as yeah yeah it's, it's not, not like it's it's witnessed and that you cannot like what you describe you know when i every time i arrive at a bus and as a doula i would take one look and i would know whether the woman was in that mm -hmm. or that you know that mm -hmm. yeah 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 and often the look on the face is what i call the oxytocin face yeah it looks like the woman is just had sex yeah you're, you're in trance like as yeah. i said like as the same as when you've just had an orgasm you're in that place of uh other otherworldly place yeah. and and i find it and it's so powerful and this is really cool actually it's so powerful that that state that trans state that you not being the one birthing can enter that trans state yeah. with her 
because every time I don't, I, obviously you 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 have noticed this. Yeah, when the birth is over, say after I had some that were like three day long, yeah. and then you come out to like the street, and you honestly feel like you're stepping out of I don't know. Well, you know what I'm talking about. It's like <laughs> coming into reality. I, I tell you the other thing, Laura, that really fascinated me. It took me years to understand that. In fact, I think I'm still unlayering, understanding it. Is every time I supported a bus, I would feel really open energetically for days yeah. afterwards. Yeah. And I had this weird feeling that I should not close it too soon, otherwise I would miss out on the insight. Yes, like a and dream. So often after a bus, I would go and see my osteopath and he would give me a very specific treatment which consisted in rocking my spine whilst taking my heartbeat and rocking my spine at the rhythm of my heartbeat. Something he, he invented and called a heartbeat massage. And he would, during that massage, I would have the most amazing visual of why I was there. Wow. At the birth, you know, the, why, what was yeah. my presence for? Yeah. Because sometimes the birth had been beautiful and sometimes it not, you know, sometimes the birth mm. had been a, a cascade of intervention and traumatic for the mother and traumatic for me. Yeah. Um, and I, um, yeah, it, that for me, that what you just described is because we go into that state with people, you know, we, if it's happening the way, if that process is, is um, supported to unfold, is allowed to unfold, we merge with that consciousness. So of course, there's, you know, there's a sense of like doing something sacred, but also that, that energy goes kind of flows through you as well. Yes. That's because of, because of our need to be resonant. Yeah. Like you, you just need to do go into that entrainment. It's just natural for us, isn't it? And it's just, which we can talk about this later, but so just to make a mental note, which is why a communal, trans like why yeah. why it works as a community sort of like medicine but let's talk about that later i just wanted to say before <laughs> that when you were saying that you don't want to that when you come out of the birth you don't want to leave it like closer too soon because you yeah. miss out it made me think of um when i do like uh dream dream interpretation therapy yeah and i always tell people like as soon as you wake up don't like turn on the light and step yeah, out yeah. of bed just like r start writing down even if it's really dark because yeah. then you let all the information flow into your consciousness mm. such as what you're describing and then you wouldn't because we shut it too soon and it's the same it's the same because dreaming is another altered state so when you're dreaming and you stop it just like that all that information that you're referring uh, uh, about is stopped and then yes. it cannot enter your consciousness. So it really is like stepping somewhere else and coming back. And that's why I was saying being able to, to control those trans states, what gives you is a, a permanently open door to yes. like this place where you can go retrieve information, bring it back. And it's so mm. useful because as you said, you can get very specific information of why things are the way they are. Yeah which is amazing. And another thing that you made me think of when you were talking about this is um, how my, in my experience, most of the times I, I went to a birth, I was on my period. Yes, I've heard lots of people talk about that. W and would that, your parents start 
at the birth or would you be on your period before the, the birth? Just before. Or because yeah, I've heard lots and lots of doulas tell me they had to put their moon cup in. Yeah. The menstrual cup in because it would bleed. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I've never had that myself. What I did have is contractions when a client so like knowing that a client was going into labor even though she's not communicated with me not with everyone but usually with people i had a really deep connection with like i remember once being at work practice and having like so many cramps and thinking she must be into labor and keep looking at my phone thinking you know and no call and then the next morning i texted her saying how are you doing and she's like i had contraction from eight o'clock until midnight and then it's my toddler woke up and it stopped you know when the second time mothers are their labor often yeah chunks because the needs of the first child can interrupt things and i was like okay you know and and i also remember being at a birth in birth where the women had hired me to drum at a birth actually where she was in early labor. I wasn't inside the house. I stepped out into a garden. She lived in some kind of community, um, commun- you know, space where there were a lot yeah. of people who chose to live. So I was uh, out there between houses talking to someone who, interestingly, someone had been a doula that I just bumped into in the street, you know. And then I felt contractions, and the husband came and said, "You need to come back because we need to go there. We need to." Amazing, isn't it? We're I was so... like, he didn't even, like, before the husband even spoke, I was like, something's happening and <laughs> I need to go back in, you know, and yeah, there's been, there's some, the, 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 the connection, you know, between people and asking yourself, who does it belong to and, and that stuff, you, I love that analogy you took about the finger and the hand because, yeah, so, you know, moving on to like trans as a birthright, you know, Tell me more about what makes you think that we need trans as a as humans. What tra- does trans do for us that's good, and why is it that we need it back in, especially in a culture that tends to like not really support? Because I think there are different lengths of trans. Like I said, you know, being on your phone is a form of trans, but it's not one that's possible be good for you particularly like life enhancing and bringing you amazing information it might bring amazing information it depends but you know like the explain to me what you mean by trans as a birth right well i guess why i consider it a birthright is because as i as i explained like with that thing about the hands that means that we are missing out currently uh, of being in touch with our whole self mm. so it we should be like entitled <laughs> to be the totality of who we are yeah. and not only be in touch of, with the deepest parts of our individual self but to be in touch with humanity nature spirit the universe so we should be allowed as beings <laughs> that are alive to be as alive as we can be and i think that um that we used to be at some point we were more in touch with everything we were more in touch with ourselves with divinity or however you want to call it with nature obviously and when we lost um when we lost that bridge we lost ourselves basically Mm. um when I was studying dreams and all that, I, I read, I was reading a, a, a book about uh, Carl Jung that where it said the problem with like science and the, the, the era of the 
rational mind is that when we started explaining everything that was mysterious and we started also cutting those bridges, like because we demythified the world, yeah. we thought this is not real, this is not real, so we just cut it off. Yeah. But it is real to I mean to the extent that like our subconscious mind is is most of our mind. Yeah. So when we cut all the ties, all the bridges, when we stop ritual, when we stop symbolic language, when we stop thinking about our dreams and etc., we just lost the communication. It's like we lost a way of, of speaking to our own mm. selves. And now we are completely mm, detached. We have unlearned this language. We yeah. cannot communicate with our deeper selves. We are lost and we are alone. We feel small, we feel disconnected, we feel just confused. <laughs> and it's because we don't know how to recover that language. And our, let's say, our symbolic landscape of our minds is like depleted because we've knocked down all, all symbolic language as if it didn't mean anything, but it means everything. Yeah. So when we lost the state of, uh, of trans as a tool, we lost our way to being in, in touch with all of what we are. Mm. And this is why it is our birthright. It is, it, we are entitled to be who we are, but in our totality. Mm. And of course, I think that uh, there is an active unconscious, like um, interruption of, of trans and all these other mechanisms, because then people would be powerful. Yeah. And it's like what you were saying, after you see a woman that has given birth at home or like by, you know, with in, yeah, trance, yeah, yeah. in a state of trance, even even if uh, wherever this was, um, this woman is changed. This woman is powerful. This woman yeah. is cannot be like beaten down <laughs> you know, mm. because you think like if I did that, I can do anything. Yeah. So if you imagine if humans were constantly in that state of empowerment, like if you all the time felt, oh, if I can do this. And I think whenever you go through ritual, through deep ceremony or whatever, yeah. this is the feeling that you get. As what you were saying with the marathon, you know? <laughs> like once yeah, you yeah, I mean, down, runner's high is, is a form of trance. It's, it's a recognized form of trance. You know, when people do really difficult physical feats, they often go into that altered state. Their endorphins is known to do that to your brain the same way it does it in birth. Shut down your cortex and make you go into the sort of more ancient brain, you know, the reptilian exactly. brain. And and the, and it's, what's really interesting is, you know, one, one of the things I've, in the research I've done is I've noticed that we as a culture, one of the distrust of trans we have is that we associate trans with um, savages. We associate trans totally. with, you know, like when people watch, you know, for, would go and watch voodoo or any kind of communal trance when they went, you know, when the colonialism meant that people would go into this culture and go, oh, you know, like this, like, it looks really weird. I don't like it because again, we live in a very dualistic culture that thinks you can either be a Cartesian rational thinking individual or the kind of that weird thing that they do. That's wild thing. You can't be both, you know, like you are, you like the, we live in a very controlled, controlled culture, you know, like you have to look, um, totally. you have to look good, you know, you have to like be dressed correctly, you have to 
mind your manners and the idea that you can't be that and that is i think we're very scared of that very, very scared. scared of the you know loss of control that comes with stress and i run drum circles um, yeah i've been running drum circle for three years and whenever i run drum circles and you know the last one i ran last week there was like 17 of us and it makes power you know when we drum it's like and also it takes a life of its own sometimes it's really soft and deep and grounding sometimes it's really wide and one of the rounds of drumming was really wild and sometimes i'm in the middle of that and i kind of imagine myself watching it walking in from the outside and it looks nuts <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah so it's really an interesting experience to have in the midst of it to think oh this is how a western person like somebody who doesn't understand what being in it feels like which is why I think people need to have the experience and then they realize it's a life affirming experience. Yeah. You know, and, and the community, I mean, we dance every Friday night, we don't five rhythm, there's sometimes 70 of us, you know, it's this big community and, um, and, and people I believe the one of the reason the community is so mm, supportive and, and well connected with each other is because we meet in a physical spaces and we do this type of work together and you okay. can't have a community that's built on just meeting people on zoom no as much as i love te technology and which is allowing us to record this podcast and allowing us to chat and stuff and i love that but it's i think it really needs so that leads us very well into you know the idea of community trans tell me more about what your I think, on that well, first, elaborating what you just said, definitely we are totally scared. There is a big barrier there for experiencing community trans because obviously this, this need to appear like normal and yeah. rational uh, is obviously uh, with regards to other people right yeah. so like you you wouldn't mind if you're like a bit if you go a bit not dancing in your room or singing in the shower but you you would mind if other people are seeing you so we have a massive barrier in 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 place if if we are even trying to look at communal trans and unless it's in like very specific situations like like classes or you know things like that it starts yeah. off as um uh, creating a bit of of safe space, let's yeah. say, where people feel like they can go a bit further out. <laughs> so um, you, you imagine, you would know like the amount of people that work with me, say one-on-one -on -one sessions, doing noises and kind of going through little levels of, of trance through sound. Yeah. And then when I, ask them to do this or this or that exercise for a couple of weeks and then we meet again and they're like, I have a, you mean at home? <laughs> um, and my neighbor, but I'm with my, you know, like my neighbors and they don't want to do this like weird noises yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and be judged, right? So we have so much fear about being seen as as out of it <laughs> and, and, and be seen as wild or crazy. And I mean, it's normal. It's just normal because we've, we've spent thousands of years being punished uh, yeah. for being crazy, yeah, <laughs> for yeah. being weird, for being... For being mad, powerful. For being powerful, of course. Yeah. That's so, so it's only understandable that people are <laughs> so scared. But 
um, we have to remember that there is a, going back to the beginning, tr that trans state is everywhere. And we just might need to make uh, ourselves aware. For example, it is accepted to go to like a rave yeah. and be in a state of trance with other people or, or go to a festival and, you know, be with like masses and masses of people dancing and, and people think, or this is my opinion, they think that the, that the feeling of joy that they that they take away from these experiences is because of the drugs. <laughs> but it's yeah. not because of the drugs, it's because of the state of trance, because of the altered states. And that altered states can be accessed through other means. We can also talk about that in a minute. But thinking of that, imagine, for example, I, I used to go to a church. Yeah. Uh, being brought up a, a Catholic and I always was very like I I was very called to do something uh, mystical <laughs> so yeah. I so I was uh, being that the only space I had to develop that aspect of myself then I love going to mass and okay, what so I, how, how was mass in your experience because I was brought up as a Catholic and I hated going to mass because my experience of mass it was really boring and tedious and there was no joy into any of the mass process because it was all so westernized and so yeah. serious and so like the even the singing was tamed down you know they're like yes okay yeah, I'd like because just to give you an example, you know, I challenged the priest when I reached my teen when I left the, the system because I was like, give me like um, African American gospel. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Give me, give me that kind yes. of singing and the joy that I believe that that kind of translating is really achieved in, in churches that practice like that. But I didn't see any of that upon in my experience of. So this is massive, what you're saying, because obviously one of my, I don't know, work premises is that you can achieve trans through singing, right? Yeah. And definitely, for me, going to mass was about the singing. Like, that's how I like got off. <laughs> but how was the singing in your experience of church? Depending on the church you went to, obviously, there'll be like really stale, boring churches yeah but i had the i i was lucky that i the one that was near us that we went to had loads of young people that were yeah. in charge of the singing and the singing was well beautiful and i really yeah. get lost in it and that's what i liked about mass i yeah. would even like tear up during mass this is how yeah. like moving it could be for me and when i started moving obviously you outgrow the church because you have to <laughs> especially yeah, yeah. as a woman it's like i don't fit in here really do i um and uh and when i lost that i'm still grieving that you know because because it's very hard to rebuild yeah um especially when we've been through covid and because i had like a nice little intuitive singing thing going in bristol i i ran it for like a year or so i made some met some amazing women there that would come and in, in uh improvise and it was amazing but then covid happened then i had a baby then i moved to wales <laughs> so yeah. it's like i've been um not i haven't been able to to build that again so yeah definitely there's a, when you have experienced communal trance 
there's a massive grief of not of not being able to to find it easily yeah. elsewhere and as you said people are very scared of of these sort of activities in general they're very in, unsure and when i and and they're very especially emitting sounds it's like there's a massive fear there too like, yeah. it's like no <laughs> people struggle i mean there's certainly you know i'm very lucky that i've had the opposite experience to you the the whole last few years have brought me into the yeah. food of a very conscious community and what i find fascinating is you know i've, I've been, been like teaching workshop for for over 10 years and in my workshop i usually bleed a small ceremony where i sing and i encourage people to join into the singing and to notice how many people just don't because they're so scared of singing my theory is people are scared of singing drumming and dancing Yes. And they're part of humanity, but in our culture is seen as something only special people can do. Yes. That yes. training. You know, you so in my current community, people sing off key, but they sing yes. fully. You know, they sing and I love it. At the beginning I was a bit like, oh God, they're not singing in the right, you know, like key. And it is a few people really sing off key, but and they sing really with their heart. And I was like, yeah. I'd much rather have that. Then the kind of restraint, oh, I'm not good enough, I can't sing, you know, totally. not, not opening totally. your mouth and not opening your heart. Totally. And the other thing, you know, I found really interesting is when some of the, the reading I've done around trans says that communities would have had, um, and I'd like to explore this some more with you, communities would have had regular trans work in order to release trauma. Yeah. It would be held within communities around the world, everywhere in the world processes that allowed because life will you know knock you and yes. processes that allowed people to like communally express grief or communally express something like really stuff that is installed inside their body and because we don't have that anymore and also the other thing that has come sideways from that research to me is to realize how our entire um culture of therapy is only talking to the head Oh my God. As if the head, you know, as if the head is some kind of like your head, like your body's just a vehicle for the brain and yes. everything's happening here. And, and now I'm really having like a, almost allergy to the way, because it's so shallow. Yes. Uh, I'll say, I remember okay. reading this story about this, I can't remember which African country, there'd been a genocide and they sent therapists to try and help. And the people said, oh, they made us walk into a, like a boring gray room with just a table and chair to talk about our trauma, to talk about oh, our feelings. Where was, they said, where was the dancing? Where was the singing? Where was the stuff that could remind yourself of the joy? You know, and, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's Western therapy all yeah. along. You know, it's, oh it's my God. a construct you're talking about of the, it being disconnected. It's a concept. Yeah. Right, all of it is like yeah. in here. So sorry, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I stop a... being on my soapbox about it now. But this is yeah. so important that you brought this up because I think like we're totally missing the point. <laughs> like for me, it's been a bit of a let's say a bit of a shock to to understand what therapy means here in this context. Yeah, I because I used to say what I do is therapy but I but therapy here is like counseling and you know yeah, just, yeah. Sitting, just that sitting down and talking in Colombia I guess because we're part of this like multi-cultural sort of like yeah. <laughs> mix of things 
um, when you go to holistic therapies, they're really out there. Like, they're yeah. really out there. And it's normal. Like, I don't find, you know, like, if you go step into the world of holistic therapies, it's not like to go and have a little massage and a little reflexology and that's that. No, it's to, like, yeah. really yeah. step on it and do, like, I've done some weird stuff, you know, like, and for me and the community of people I had around, it was like just the thing to do, you know, normal. <laughs> normal. I mean, I'm going to make, um, because I'm aware that not everybody listening to this podcast may have had the kind of experience we have. I'm going to bring it back down one level to uh, know yeah, you're a massage therapist and tell us more about, because massage can make you go into a altered state of consciousness totally. you know i i judge the good massage by the fact that if if my head is down in yeah. the face hole and i notice that i'm drooling that's a good massage <laughs> yeah. i'm not asleep but i mean that's such a deep state so i remember laura you told me once that you know you learned massage uh holistically like intuitively and then when you came to the uk you had a different experience i'd like you to tell us more about that because i think it will help people who who may you know i'm sure there's people listening who will have that experience that we're talking about but if it's if it's like almost like too too theoretical for you know yeah. unless you've had the chance because very few of us in the western world has, are given the space to have those big communal trans experience outside of raves and yeah you know, stuff like that so yeah so your experience of massage in Colombia. my experience just, with everything yeah. it's just it's just Yes, you're right. Like I forget how like uh, exotic <laughs> these <laughs> these experiences can be, and how normal they were for me. And it's right. It's true. It's uh, the thing that happens with massage is exactly the same that what happens with everything else. It's being caught to the to its very like most um like minimal components, as in you have to learn these bones and you have to learn the muscles and you and it's stale it's stale and it's boring for me you know <laughs> maybe not for everyone but for me coming from a from a learning process that was completely intuitive and completely holistic like as you have to you have to be one with the warmth and you have to be one with the spine and you have to visualize and and all these things you have to do before even massaging someone and you're like in a rhythm you have to have so many things, so many things come into play. And I never, I was never taught in my, in my process back at home. I was never taught about muscles as in, you have to learn, this is this muscle, this is that muscle. So when I came here, it was a bit of a, of a shock. And in a way I felt very threatened, obviously, <laughs> because I was like, oh, like I don't have this sort of knowledge, you know, I don't yeah, have, yeah. I don't, and, and people would ask me like, so that pain there, what muscle is this? And I'm like, it's uh, your back muscle. <laughs> <laughs> so, so at the beginning I was very insecure, but then with time, I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm, I'm really, I'm doing like this to a, to that, to a different, to a different level. And my process is still like correct because we have, there is such a fear about intuitive processes. It's the same fear of trance. It's the fear of not being rationally in control. And that's why when we go to therapy, we just want to talk because we want to put everything through words and pass everything to that like uh, rational sieve. 
Which is, you see, the theme of everything we're talking about here is like the patriarchy model we're in is that the uh, you outsource your knowledge to an authority figure, right? So the yeah. authority figure knows you don't, right? Yes. And yeah. so the idea that exponential learning doesn't count, it's all about outsourcing. You know, one of the things that popped into my mind as you were talking is I've just finished reading a book called um, Which is Midwives and Nurses? It yeah. talks about the which is, you know, it's a small book about the burning of witches. It was written in the States in the 1970s. And I had no idea in there, it says that when male doctors started being trained, they learned only about the theory of medicine in their training. They never saw a patient. But still, they came out of this training and they just started applying what they'd learned. And they dismissed all the traditional women healers. So those were like white men in, in the sort of higher rank of societies. Yeah. And then treating the the population treating the the, the 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 poor people where the women healer who had the opposite form of knowledge but also an enormous amount of knowledge that yes. was based on experience and very holistic and so those people came and they basically like would really harm patients because they they had no understanding of they would just apply blindly what a bit like what you talked about the massage you know i what makes a good massage is for me it's not just the training it's how the person is present yeah um, i've been at massage where clearly the person is thinking about what they're gonna have for dinner or something you know like thinking about their shopping list or something and then not there they're just like moving your skin and i for me that's really shit i've been in really posh massage places and never again uh -huh. you know like i've been to like this kind of really nice looking studio in the center of cambridge because they just opened and i they did a tour and it was free to do a tour and they give you half price massage and i was like oh my god this is the worst massage i've ever had and it I looked know. Very pretty but it was really shit you know it's and very it was, hard to get a good massage very hard yeah i mean the, <laughs> what's really hard for me now is my standards have even gone higher every time yes. it's sort of so i churn through people you know, I try people and after a while, I'm like, I need somebody else. So now, for instance, I'm looking at someone because of all the energy work I'm doing, who could, you know, release attachments and anything yeah. that goes energetically as not mine. And I'm not finding that. It's the very hard. Either this or that, you know, there's like, I would like, basically someone like me, but you know, yes. you can do it to yourself, but it's like. Um, <laughs> yes, it's difficult, especially when you are like out of your. I mean, obviously, you're like, yeah, your expectations now because of your uh, experiences of trans have made it so much harder for you to like be. And it's the same for me. Like uh, when I was training uh, on massage, like we would do, uh, I don't know, really long sessions with people, people that you don't necessarily know too well, but you know, you you they massage you, you're like naked. Yeah. <laughs> and they're massaging like really deep and you're making noises and you're like honestly somewhere else yeah yeah and and these are my experiences of massage so obviously it's very i mean the others you know again this is a bit of a side tangent on on trance but you know the other experience that fascinates me is that in the uk <clears throat> massage therapists step out of the room whilst you get undressed yeah yeah and i find that very odd because you're gonna see my body yeah <clears throat> and the first time i went to have lomi lomi massage so you just reminded me i have a friend who does really good lomi lomi yeah i nice. have a couple of friends but they're often very busy because the yes. ones who are really Those good, are good. You, have to, you have to book them weeks in advance but 
I went to this Lomi Lomi massage and there was like these paper pants in the middle of the massage table. And I said, what's that for? This massage is done naked. And this woman went, oh yeah, but British people don't like naked. But the Lomi Lomi, there's a lot of like elbow, like the front of the arm massage from the shoulders all the way to the feet going through. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you know, boundaries, because what I find really strange is in our, in our culture, we don't massage the belly and we don't massage the buttocks. You know, we, yeah. we are very, like we massage the back and yeah. maybe the arms and legs, but you know, the, the, yeah, it's all narrowed down. It's all boxed in. It's all like, and it's just it's the same, so the same thing about fear. Look, I'll tell you, I had an experience, uh, teaching. Uh, so I go back uh, to Bristol every now and then to to the, do a bit of CPD with a the, uh, therapist. So I go and, and just have a bit of play and I teach them some moves and I we talk about muscles. And I remember that I was uh, showing them this very like, all my moves are very, I train in low me too. So all my moves are very like in bulge and I use yeah. basically most of my arm and I bring it back and forth but that means that you you require a certain closeness to the person yeah. and this is to and these moves that are so fluid and so long are to create that state of trance right because yeah. it's like a like a being in a vibe type of movement around the body because you know exactly you, you... so you need to create flow and it's that yeah. flow that creates the trance state and I remember when I was uh so we were practicing and I showed on someone, I demonstrated and then one of the therapists that was there came in and I did it on her. And she said, oh my God, when you were doing it, I was thinking like that is way too close to the to the client. Like I would never do that. Like that looks horrible. And then she said, but now that you're doing it on me, no, this feels amazing. And <laughs> because we, yeah, we have such a like a, a, a boundary so strong uh in our bodies and in ourselves and in and in and in what and in the experiences that we allow for ourselves and that's why this same fear of closeness of proximity is the same fear of movement is the same fear of sound is the same fear of trance is the same fear of being out of control because you're getting too wild but i would argue that we only get like negatively wild when we don't have those experiences because mm. those experiences are what keep us in check, like grounded. Yeah. And when we're detached from them, then we create like pathological state yeah. <laughs> in which because we're not having those experiences, we are creating like some sort of like mm, repressed experience of ourselves. But you mean like, for instance, when people go to trance and then they take drugs and they like, it's like there's no in between is that what you're talking about or what yeah when people go like say here when people get drunk and yeah. they behave horribly yeah. it's because all this because there's no other outlet for yeah. emotion for processing for processing grief joy or uh, pain or whatever uh then we have to do it in that way which is a completely disconnected like mm -hmm. sort of aggressive yeah. lost and pointless way so so yeah, I would say that is this uh, these activities that seem wild and out of control, yeah, which allow us to actually be in control and at peace and in flow. Yeah. When we don't have them, then we are completely out of sync with life. <laughs> then yeah. that's when we become ill in the in our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies, uh, because we're not in touch. We're not in touch with 
and, and when you say touch, you know, I'm also thinking how we don't touch in our culture. I know you're from Colombia, it's a very different culture, but I remember reading an anthropologist's work that went around various countries in the world and write, wrote, sat in cafes and wrote down how often people touch in the space of an hour. And I think Argentina was the highest country, or Brazil, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember, but, but UK yeah. was the lowest one. Which one? The UK was huh? the lowest one. Oh, yeah, I don't know, I can't France. remember which country, they didn't do the whole world, you see yeah. what I mean? But, uh, because again, healthy touch, you know, touch in our culture, we also have categorized touch as, like, as being okay, almost only in the context of sex. Yeah. Or, like, you know, maybe like cuddling small children, but it's like... Not it's even not, that, not even not. that. I don't think you cuddle, I mean, here, don't people don't cuddle small children as... Well, certainly not as much as we do. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so it makes you think alone. Like, um, I remember, for example, being with a with another a young mom, uh, or a mom of a young kid like mine. And I remember I set up everything like we were setting up a space to be with them and be and chat and laugh. And I just put everything on the floor, and I was gonna sit there on the floor because he was like maybe one. Yeah something so i that was kind of like our natural way of being because i yeah. need to that proximity and then she came in with a couple of chairs for for us yeah and she sat on the chair and the baby was on the floor and i and i felt really like oh <laughs> you know like it caught me by surprise because i was so involved physically that yeah. for me sitting on a chair made absolutely no sense in that mm. in that moment and that's when I noticed how different I naturally behave <laughs> yeah. uh, physically um, and yes this is massive and that is why uh, of, of all the tools that I that I have explored and I work with I will always go back to massage especially yeah. here because we're in a deep deep need of of loving touch of like yeah. actual caring touch and because as you said massage is a is a is a tool for ultra states and i want to actually talk briefly because that's something i know you use and i use too you know that that um when you were talking about holistic therapy for me when i do closing of the closing of the bone massage and i put massage in quotation mark because it's a ritual yeah it takes two or three hours again that's another thing that really struck me earlier this week when i've started to have i've been offered therapy through the nhs and i realized you know i started going to see a, a counselor and I, it's a 50 minute appointment my husband is a counselor you know the whole model is a 50 minute appointment mm -hmm. but i barely get it. going in 50 minutes and then the, 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 the session finished and I thought, who came up with the idea that therapy needs to happen in 50-minute batches? And in between, you don't have access to the person because yeah. you're supposed to only have your moments of bringing up whatever's going on. You know, it's very and, weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. So the closing of the bones, the number of times um, I have offered this ritual to people for healing, and people have said to me, oh, I thought I was just getting a massage. Because what they think a massage is, is a Western one hour, you lie on the table, yeah. people massage your back. It's it's not, you know, so I'd like you to maybe tell us a bit more about that, because I know it's what I'm trying to explain to people is, is exist all around the world, this yeah. practice, you know, and it's not just for the postpartum. 
Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think there is, uh, because we're like uh, depleted from ritual and touch. Yeah. Obviously, that closing of the bones ritual <laughs> is uh, completely out of, <laughs> like, is uh, unconceivable <laughs> because yeah. it's like way too much touch and way too much symbolic stuff happening there. So, you know, like, it's completely out of, of place if you if you want uh, here can you just very briefly describe it because we both know what we're talking about but not everybody listening might you know yes so basically what we do on the closing of the bones is uh let's let's talk about in, in post in a postpartum setting although this expands to so many other moments of our life um we are bringing the body back yep. into itself and allowing for a moment of real deep touch with, you know, the, I would say the great mother, mm -hmm. <laughs> so that you can feel held because you've gone through a massive transition. You are completely open physically and energetically, and you need to be able to be held and what we would say in Colombia contained <laughs> so yeah. that, so that you don't like, uh, you know, like kind of like melt away because that's how you feel after a birth isn't it like you're so open like you feel like you're pouring out <laughs> so uh in that space you have body work you are wrapped you are uh yeah wrapped in uh these throws and then you're yeah. left there with either music or you're sung to or you have drumming you're bathed as well before with plants yeah. and stuff so it's a proper ceremony yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned this just now, because when you were talking about the counseling, I'm going to counseling too. But what I want is, is a closing of the bones. I, was, I mean, I was you, you're, yeah, you're, how old is your son now? He's three. And yeah, I so I, I want a closing of the bone because I'm at the cusp of the menopause. Yes, 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 exactly. You know, and I want a closing of the bone because I have had some challenges yes. over the last couple of years. And I like... Yes. I, I, I'm feeling I need to train. I'm trying to train more people in my community because I want more people to to do it. But but like now, because I've actually informally trained most of my community in doing it with just a scarf, not the whole ritual, but just yeah. the binding. And people are so conscious that it's now become something we do for people's birthdays. And at every time we do it at the birthday, men and women, just yeah. a wrapping with seven reposers, but held by a big group of people. And then uh, we do the singing and we do the drumming. So and we, we do it the way that the um, Mexican midwife now Livy never taught me, which I didn't really know until I trained with her in person last year, where she is very time consuming because she said to hold each scarf, however tight the person wanted, say, over each part of the body. So seven scarves, the head, the shoulders, yeah. the ribs, the hips, the both part of the legs and the feet. And she said to tighten it and then hold it however long the person tells you it's long enough. And when I've done it alone, sometimes I've sweated like and really uncomfortable oh my God. because it's I've held it over the pelvis like sometimes for 15 minutes. And, the, and sometimes I say, let me know when I repeat, let me know when it's done. And the person says nothing. So I'm like, I have to wait and I'm squatting. And, but in a group, it's really beautiful because then there's people holding each end of the scarf. And so there's no like, you know, it's more yeah. powerful, but also like last time we did it for a, a man's birthday, a friend of my community, there was another guy and he's so powerful it was. So now he wants it for his yes. birthday. So we're bringing it back. But, you know, yeah. I, inter I interrupted the sort of 
what what you were busy talking about the the wanting of the you wanting you wanting that yourself so tell me about wanting that yourself and then we'll probably need to bring that to a close because i know we could talk for three oh hours my God, we could, I, I we said already we don't like this, this podcast to an hour roughly and we're kind of slightly over that already yes but i mean this is part of it isn't it because when you're there you're in a state of trance if you do it properly right yeah. so i i had a really cool one with two doulas drumming bathing and the whole shebang and now i want it again because i had it at the end of my of my quarantine <laughs> so you know like yeah, after yeah. the 40 days and then i now want it because i because I've started working again and Jasper's gone to school and I feel like I've been through fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I've been Yeah, literally, yeah. Through like the deepest like I mean darkness I've ever experienced in my life. And I feel like I now need this to close That's that process yeah. and move on. And this is so important just to if just to, to touch on because this is one of the things that we wanted to talk about isn't it like how this is important through transition yes so trans is important through transition almost the word kind of implies it yeah. <laughs> trans and transitions must go hand in hand and ritual of any sort is what helps us like kind of really leave things in the past or ground them put them on the earth and just move on but because we don't do this we're just like dragging all these like stuff <laughs> it's like ah, all your life experiences because you never take the time to properly have closures through transitions and we have so also many. being being witnessed right yes because when that happened you you can't do it for yourself so no no and this is something very important because when i there's like a type of uh say ritual called um psychomagic yeah and and when you do a psychomagic someone has to see you like you have to do it in front of it someone and when i recommended this to people they're like oh but can i just like do it in my room and i'm like no because part of that of the thing about ritual and ceremony is that when people see you doing it, it's like you really have to, you're really doing it because it's not like a little, it's the same as I was saying about singing in the shower thing. It's not the same as singing with a massive group of people. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the image that's popping into my mind now because of what you said about, you know, trans and transition and kind of letting go is like, it's almost like if you were a, uh, you know, there's some animal that shed their skin or their, um, you know, the, the, say a snake is a, often an yeah, animal. Uh, 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 and can you imagine that basically what we're doing in our culture is we're carrying the old skin, like layers yes. of it, because yes. nobody's gone and done something, held a container for us to go, yes, this was hard, I've grown, you know, I've, le I've left my old skin behind and it's time to like have that held and witness and, and allow you to go really in and experience from a place of safety yes. and altered state, you know, the enormity of what you've gone through yes. you know, and, and with, if we're talking about women's life transition there's obviously menarche which is the first period 
matrescence, which is the first, you know, mother becoming a mother, mm-hmm. and um, sagescence, which is a word that uh, Jane Hardy uses for the menopause. So I would say adolescence, matrescence, and sagescence. And there's so many parallels for me. Now I'm going, you know, I've been going through perimenopause for 11 years. And I keep thinking, oh my God, I have so many aspects of what's happening. I feel like I did when I, my children were little. Yeah. Because of the lack of holding. Yeah. You know, the lack of um, it's everything. being guided by elders who have gone through the process, who understand the enormity of the rite of passage, because, you know, those things last for a long time. The same with, Ooh, yeah. the same with matricence and the same with, and again, our culture. And that's something that I'd probably finish on that. But Jen Hardwick Collins said in, in to me that in the interview I did with her, when something is a systematically shamed, ridiculed, downplayed, or presented as just an hindrance, just a problem, think about bleeding, menstruation, think about giving birth, think about menopause, it's always a sign that it holds great power. Yeah, totally. And mm. it's just like, and that's why we just um, uh, take all value out of it and just, uh, just try and go past it as quick as we can. Yeah. But as as I was saying just now, like I'm just like I'm 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 feeling just now that I'm finishing my postpartum now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So things these things take a long, long time to process. And the more we do it in with the support of community and the support of trans, the easier and the quicker they would be. But because yeah. we don't have that then 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 we've lost we, we're losing we're missing out on like yeah. a, a, an amazing tool for processing and for happiness and for peace yeah. so a mm. lot of work to do yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna bring this interview to a close laura thank you very much just want to finish by asking uh, where can people find you and we'll put a link um underneath yeah. this this episode but i just wanted mm. to ask you to share that yeah so best place i'd say is uh my instagram uh, which is at white owl therapies and there's a link there to like a link tree so all my stuff all my little bits and bobs can be found in there lovely <laughs> that's the easiest well thank you very much laura thank I you really for enjoyed the this invite. conversation with you always a pleasure to talk to you <laughs>